All right. So we are in the book of Daniel. And we come to Daniel 6. And if you'll remember when we first started all this, I said, the first half of Daniel, Daniel's telling his story of his captivity. And so, the, and the first six chapters, we're in chapter six today, tells his story from the time that he's a youth when he first gets taken away from Jerusalem uh, and, and ends up in Babylonia and being trained all the way to chapter six. Daniel is now in his mid to late 80s. And all of this time he has served in a place he didn't want to be. He was captured, taken away. The likelihood is we never hear of Daniel uh, marrying. And in the very first chapter, it talks about the chief of the eunuchs. It's very possible that he was made a eunuch. And so he's lived a solitary life. For, for all of these years in Babylonia, he's served Nebuchadnezzar, Nabonidus, he served Belshazzar, and now he's serving Darius the Mede under a whole new uh, reign of the Medes and the Persians. And as Daniel, as Daniel has worked through life, one of the things that has become very apparent is his character. And in chapter 6, we're not only going to see Daniel's character, but we're going to see some character qualities of some other folks. Some of them bad, some of them good. But this is one of those chapters. Now, I imagine, well, let's try this. How many of you at some point in your life have heard about Daniel in the lion's den. Raise your hand. Okay, for you two people that have never heard the story of Daniel in the lion's den, you'll hear it today. Most of us, you know, if you say, tell me a story from the Bible, tell me, you know, something that you heard. You say, oh, let's see, that. Daniel in the lion's den. Dare to be a Daniel. And, uh, you know, most of us has heard this. But a lot of times what we forget is, that, that this comes with a whole lot of background to it. Because Daniel didn't get to the end of his life to be, to be in his 80s and be okay with being thrown into a lion's den. It was built all the way back. We could go all the way back to chapter 1 where Daniel had the courage to stand up and say, I'm not going to eat the king's meat. I'm not going to drink the king's wine. And so as we look at this today, I want us to look at character matters. Character matters. We saw last week that when the queen mother came in to talk to Belshazzar about the writing on the wall, she mentions the character qualities of Daniel. That, that he's, he, he has illumination. He has uh, interpretation. He's known to, to uh, take care of difficult problems. That's his history. 
and it certainly affects this point in his, time, in his life. So let's turn Daniel chapter 6 and let's read verses 1 through 9. And it seemed good to Darius to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom that they should be in charge of the whole kingdom and over them three commissioners of whom Daniel was one that these satraps might be accountable to them and that the king might not suffer loss. Then this Daniel being distinguishing him, began distinguishing himself among the commissioners and the satraps because he possessed an extraordinary spirit. And the king planned to appoint him over the entire kingdom. And then the commissioners and satraps began to find ground, trying to find ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to governmental affairs. But they could not find, they could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was found in him. And then these men said, we will not find any ground of accusation against Daniel unless we find it against him with regard to the law of his God. And then these commissioners and satraps came to agreement, by agreement to the king and spoke to him as follows. King Darius, live forever. All the commissioners of the kingdom the prefects and the satraps and the high officials and the governors have consulted together and the king should establish a statute and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, O king, establish the injunction, sign the document, so that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which may not be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document that is the injunction. We, we see here a beautiful picture uh, of Daniel. Now, I want you to understand the circumstances that are going on here. Remember Belshazzar? has been overthrown. The Medes and the Persians came in and one night blocked off the Euphrates River and they came in through the tunnel and they captured the capital of, of Babylon and Darius becomes king. Now remember, Babylon basically ruled the entire known world. So there's all of these places that Babylon has conquered that now come under control of the Medes and the Persians. Now, Babylon ruled from the place of an emperor. Basically, Belshazzar, Belshazzar could say anything he wanted. Nebuchadnezzar was the same way. They would send edicts down from the, from the emperor, and they would send it out across the way. So the Medes and the Persians now have a problem. They have Babylonian kingdoms that are far-fetched. Well, the Medes and the Persians were a little bit different than 
the, then the Babylonians in that, two things. One, they were not polytheistic. They had this, this idea of good and bad, of evil and spiritualism. And, and so they were not quite monotheistic, but they weren't polytheistic like, uh, like the Babylonians were. They didn't have 3,000 gods. The other thing was they had a different form of government. Yes, you had King Darius, and you also have Cyrus, who they're co-rulers. But underneath them, they had a pretty decentralized government. They had 120, they call them satraps. We would call them governors. Those 120 went out from Babylon, and they went to all the known world where Babylon was uh, in control, and they said, ah, we're the new governors now. We answer to, to Darius, and so we're here to take over it. 120 above them regionally were three commissioners, one of which was Daniel. So each one had, you know, like 40 satraps that they took care of, if I did the math right. Yeah, they, they would take care of a region and, and they would answer up to these three. Well, Daniel is so good. And, and that's not surprising, is it? Because all the way back in chapter one, he's ten times, he's ten times better than everybody else because of God being part of his life. The God Yahweh being part of his life. And so he, it says that he also has what? An extraordinary spirit. And we've seen that with Daniel, right? When nobody else could give the dream, Daniel could. When, through what? Through God. God gave it to him, and he's always giving that back to God. It's God who did this, not me. So he has this extraordinary spirit. He's able to take things and... And the queen mother back in chapter 5 says he's able to explain the enigmas and solving difficult problems. That's Daniel. And so as Darius, the new guy in town, he's looking around going, I like this Daniel guy. He's pretty cool. He's, he's the problem solver. He's, if you've ever been in business and you have somebody under you that is the go-to guy. If you have a problem, give it to them. They'll solve it. That's Daniel. And so Darius is like going, that's pretty cool being right up here, being top dog. But I want a vice president. That's what I want. I want somebody. I can just say, hey, Daniel, fix it. Well, that causes a problem, doesn't it? Because everybody else wants that job. I want to be vice president. He wants that job. But Daniel proved himself because he was diligent. He was diligent. Now, diligence uh, has, a, has a great deal to do with stick You like that word? 
stick to That's a Pastor Benism. If you can figure out how to write it down, write it down. That's fine. Diligence. He, he, if you gave him a problem, he's going to come back with the answer. He's not going to come back, well, I don't think we can do that. He will, he will stay with it until he finds the answer. God talks about diligence. Proverbs, we're going to see a lot of Proverbs today because the book of Proverbs is a lot about character. You ever notice that? As you're reading through the book of Proverbs, look how many times it talks about different character qualities. Honesty, seeking wisdom, keeping your mouth shut when, it, when you should. That's a character quality, folks. But diligence, in, in Proverbs 12, 24, it says, The hand of the diligent will what? Will rule. But the slack hand will be put to forced labor. You know, that, that diligence is what leads people to say, hey, yeah, I, I want that kind of person working for me. But there was another side of things. We're going to call them the instigators. They're the, his fellow commissioners, some of the sat traps that were probably local to the area that were overseeing nearby kingdoms. They didn't like Daniel. Because he was getting a lot of pats on the back and they were getting a lot of kicks in the rear. You know, get busy. Do something. Fix it. They didn't like that. So the instigators were jealous. You ever work with somebody that was jealous? Oh, man. They're not... It's, it's the fact that, that they resent that you have something they don't. Or you got promoted when they didn't. And, and when they become jealous, that jealousy is a character quality. But, but jealousy works its way out, just like diligence. You know what diligence does? When it works its way out, it works its way out in getting things done. Being successful. Jealousy... When it works its way out, you know what it comes to? Scheming. Scheming. What do they start doing? Well, first of all, they become the fault finders. You, you, if you want to find somebody that's jealous, you, you hang around and you listen to, oh, yeah, so-and-so, they're, they're worthless. Oh, you know, they did. You know, they're, they're not earning their keep. They're not doing what's right. That's what they did with, with Daniel, right? They first started, hey, let's see if we can find something to accuse him. Did, did he doctor the books? Did he, did he lie about something? And in his, in his affairs of the kingdom, they couldn't find anything. So they began scheming. The only way we're going to do this is we're going to watch. We're going to watch Daniel because... He's gonna, there's something about him and his God that we can use. So they start watching him. They start watching him. They start scheming. And they notice that Daniel does something every day, three times a day. He goes back to his house. 
And he opens his windows and he prays to Yahweh. He prays to the God of Israel. Hmm. They put their little noggins together. How can we use this against Daniel? And so they go, oh, we're going to form the God of the Month Club. Right? I mean, that's what they do. They come to, they come to, now remember, Darius is not polytheistic. But he is an emperor. And emperors kind of think very highly of themselves. Right? And we have, there's a lot of places through history, the Romans were probably the biggest ones. They worshipped Caesar. And it didn't matter which Caesar it was. You know, we have in, in the Holy Land, you can go to Caesarea, who's named after Caesar. And you can go to Caesarea Philippi. That's named after Caesar. It was a temple built to worship Caesar. Other countries had this. And so they're like going, oh, okay, we're going to adopt this. And he says, for 30 days. Because they really don't want Darius getting too big of a head. So we want you to be, we want you to be worshipped as God for a month. And, and they, they have this all written out for him ahead of time. And they come to him. And they're just, they lavish, oh, oh, King Darius, live forever. Well, wait a second. Uh, eternal gods, right? That's what they're saying. Live forever, King Darius. You're, you're so exalted and they're buttering him up and everybody should pray to you for but only for 30 days. And, and anybody that doesn't, they're going to be thrown in the lion's den. Now, understand, that's a common punishment for these folks. It was something that Nebuchadnezzar would have used, right? Nebuchadnezzar, he, he says, uh, you know, if you, didn't, if you didn't do what he said, he says, we're going to chop you up in little bitty pieces and we're going to burn your house down. That was kind of his thing. But they had, they had this den of lions. What a way to go. I mean, if you were to pick, have you ever thought about this? If I'm going to die, how do I want to die? Well, one way would probably not be eaten by a wild animal. I mean, that just seems like a rough way to go. Right? So, I mean, there's a little intimidation going on with this thing. And, and so these, these jealous instigators become schemers and set the trap. It's an ambush. They're waiting for Daniel to slip up. Now, Daniel, remember, he's in his mid-80s. He is as wise as they come. But Daniel is also a man of integrity. So let's see how Daniel responds to, the, to what happens. So look at verses 10 through 15. Now, Daniel knew that the document was signed. 
Remember, he's one of the top three guys. He wasn't invited to the party, but they sure gave him a copy of it. Now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber, he had windows open towards Jerusalem. And he, what? Continued, continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God, as he had been doing previously. And then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before God. And then they approached and spoke before the king about the king's injunction. Did you not sign an injunction that any man who makes a petition to any god or man besides you, O king, for 30 days is to be cast into the lion's den? And the king replied, the statement is true, according to the law of the Medes of Persians, which may not be revoked. And then they answered and spoke before the king. Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the injunction which you signed, but keeps making his petition three times a day. And then as soon as the king heard the statement, he was deeply distressed and set his mind on delivering Daniel. And even until the sunset, he kept exerting himself to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Recognize, O king, that this is the law of the Medes and the Persian, that no injunction or statute which the king establishes may be changed. Daniel is a man of integrity. Daniel is a man of integrity. Now, what's integrity? It's doing the right thing when nobody's watching. Or in this case, it's doing the right thing while everybody's watching. You see, notice it says, it says, first of all, it says that Daniel continued, continued to kneel and pray three times a day. And then it says he did it as he often did, as he previously did. He wasn't about to change who he was because it might have adverse consequences. Daniel was a man of integrity. What a character quality to have. I mean, that's a, you want to have people with integrity that you deal with. You know, that's, that's you know, used to be we could, we could shake hands, right? And a man's word was worth what? Now when we go to, to buy a house, you, you, you get writer's cramp because you got a stack of papers about this deep because everybody wants, you know, what, what happens if they default? What happens if you, you know, you can't, you know, but a man of integrity. He was a man of integrity. And integrity brings with it promises from God. In Proverbs 10, 9, it says, he who walks in integrity, what? Walks securely. But he who perverts his ways will be found out. Daniel walked securely. 
we, we remember we saw the three Hebrew children. We talked about the even if faith. Daniel had even if faith. He says, okay, you guys wrote this law. I'm not going to change what I'm going to do. Now, Daniel could have. It would have been so easy for Daniel. All he had to do was shut his windows, right? If he would have shut the windows and just prayed inside. He, he only had to do it for 30 days. You know, I, you know it's kind of, today what would they do? It would be the guys out there, people would have their cell phones out recording Daniel as he prayed, Right? These guys were watching. They went to his house. They, were, they knew what his pattern was. They showed up and they watched. And then they came to, the, came to the king and said, Oh, by the way, king, guess who is violating your edict? They didn't care about anybody else. Notice nobody else is brought forward. Only Daniel. And so, but Daniel is secure. His integrity is intact. In Proverbs 11.3, it tells us, the, there we go, the integrity of the upright will what? Guide them. His integrity said, Daniel, you're not going to change what you do just because of some bad actors over here that are jealous. You follow me. And Daniel said, okay. Proverbs 20, verse 7. The righteous man who walks in integrity. Look at this. How blessed are his sons after him. Integrity not only has value with who you are in Christ, but it has value with those around you. Where do your children learn integrity? By watching mommy and daddy. By watching what goes on around them. By watching the people in their church. They watch you. How do you, how do you treat your wife? How do you treat your husband? How do you do business dealings? You know, if you own a business in town, people are watching you because if you say, if you have that fish on the side of your truck, right, Alan? If you put a fish on the side of your truck, they're going to watch you. Is, does he speed? Does he do, you know, how, how's his driving? How does he treat other drivers? And God blesses that, doesn't he? Because people then stop and ask you, hey, you got that fish on the side of your truck. I've got a problem. I'm going to want to talk to you. Isn't that true, Alan? That's right. I've heard Alan's testimony many times of how God used that. I remember years ago as a motor cop, my job was to write tickets. And so one day I was out, they were doing the 53rd, out at 53rd in Southwest Pacific, they were doing the big work out there with that new roadway and the interchange. And I'm out there running radar and a car goes zooming by well over the speed limit and I pulled out and, and I immediately knew it was because the license plate said, for my Lord. It was my pastor. I walked up to the car. He looked at me, hung his head. I, I'm late for this meeting or that meeting. I said, I said, Pastor, 
I said, I'm not going to give you a ticket. But you need to either change your license plate or change the way you drive. Two weeks later, I walked into the parking lot of the church, and I noticed he had regular license plates on his car. People watch. People look at you. You have a different standard in your business, how you do business, because you have God's standard and people are going to hold you to that. And Daniel wasn't about to to change. Well, there's another character in here that also has a character quality, and that's Darius. Darius is loyal to Daniel. I mean, Darius has seen Daniel's integrity. He's seen his honesty. He's seen his diligence. He's seen all of this. And so it says in our passage here that he spent all the rest of the day consulting with the lawyers. How do I get Daniel out of this? And he's stressing about it. But in the law of the Medes and the Persians, once it goes, it's, it's like, you ever heard the term written in stone? That's basically, you couldn't change it. And it says that, that he, he was loyal to Daniel. Loyalty, if you find somebody that's loyal, oh man, that's gold. Because loyalty is one of those things. That's the person that's going to stand beside you no matter what happens. Because when, yeah, when, when you mess up and you fall down in the middle of the mud hole, guess who's going to sit down in the middle of the mud hole with you? A person that's loyal to you. And those are people you can't, if you come by somebody that's loyal to you, that's worth gold. In Proverbs 20, 28, it says, Loyalty and truth preserve the king, and he upholds his throne by righteousness. You see, I think Darius knew, I've already told everybody I want to make him the vice president. Now I need to stick with him. Because I think Darius realized what was happening. He realized the jealousy and the fact that he had been conned into making this this law that affected Daniel. But he wasn't about to let Daniel go it alone. As a matter of fact, as we come to this next section, I want you to watch how loyal Darius is to Daniel. Verses 16 to 23. And then the king gave orders and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. And the king spoke and said to Daniel, Your God whom you constantly serve will himself deliver you. The stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den. The king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles so that nothing could be changed in regard to Daniel. And then the king went off to his palace and he spent the night fasting and no entertainment was brought before him and his sleep fled from him. That's how loyal he was. His, his friend, his his gentleman that he loved so much that he put so much into is in the lion's den. He couldn't sleep. 
And the king arose at dawn, at the break of day, and went in haste to the lion's den. When he came near the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has, has your God in whom you constantly serve been able to deliver you from the lions? And you think he's going to hear a brook? Right? No. And then Daniel spoke to the king. O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. And they have not harmed me inasmuch as I was found innocent before him. And also towards you, O king, I have committed no crime. And then Daniel was very pleased, and, or the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. And so Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatsoever was found on him because he had trusted his God. You see, the, as, the loyal, as loyal as Darius was to Daniel, God was loyal to Daniel. Daniel had served God. Daniel had served with integrity, with diligence. Any time that he did something, he always pointed back to God. It wasn't me who gave the dream. It wasn't me who gave the interpretation. It was God. You need to worship God most high. Even Darius recognized that. Daniel, your God, your God can take care of you. And then when he went back, he said, he said, has your God taken care of you? And he said, yep, I'm here. And, and it's interesting because you can look at, there's, there's some liberal theologians out there that says, oh, well, well, Daniel crawled into a pile of hay and... Uh, and hid under the pile of hay, or, or there was a crevice in the rock, and Daniel got in the crevice of the rock and, and hid from all of these lions overnight. Well, well we're going to find out in just a second, these were really hungry lions. No. I believe, what did he say? The angel came and, and, and held their mouths shut. Can, can you just envision this? Daniel gets thrown in, and there's there's... And we don't know how many lions are down there, but there's enough to eat a number of families. We're going to see in a minute. There's a lot of lions down there. And the picture is these great big angels. They come in and they straddle that lions, all those lions, and they literally hold their mouth shut. And Daniel's like going, okay, well, it's time for a good night's rest. And so he lays down and he puts his head on the side of a lion and falls fast asleep because he trusted in his God. And God answered him. This is the same trust that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. The even if trust. Okay, God, I'm in my mid-80s. I'm ready to go home. I've served God all of these years. If you want to take me home, 
in the belly of a lion, so be it. But you know, I, I think Darius needs a little lesson in how loyal my God is. And you know how you learn to trust God in the big things? It's when you trust God in the little things. See, Daniel didn't learn how to trust God in the lion's den first. He learned to trust God with what was put on his table to eat. And then he learned to trust God with a dream. And then he learned to trust God with ruling a third of the country. See, you don't learn to trust God with the big things until you learn to trust him in the little things. And parents and grandparents, let me tell you something. You have an influence on your children and your grandchildren. There, you know, when you can say, oh, man, we need some birth certificates. Folks, I want you to pray for Heather. She knows who Jesus Christ is. She does. She's professed Christ. She's walked with him in the past, but she's walked away. And, and we've been praying that through this adoption that God would show himself evident. And as soon as that happened, you know what, we, we began hitting, we're on What's It chat, chat with her because she's in, in South Africa. We began, we're praying for you. The church is praying for you. And when God answered, Yay, God. Thank you, God. Those are the things. Praying in those little things pray, allows them to pray in the big things. That's how we learn. And folks, we have that obligation with our children. Well, let's see how this story walks itself out. Sorry. The words are a little cloudy this morning. The king then gave orders and they brought the men who had been maliciously accusing Daniel and they cast them and their children and their wives in the lion's den and they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then Darius the king wrote to all the people, Nations and every and men of every language who were living in all the world, may your peace abound. I have made a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom, men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel. For, and I want you to listen to Darius. You think he understood what God did? For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom is one in which will not be destroyed. His dominion will be forever. He delivers and rescues and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Character qualities, whether good or bad, 
come with consequences. The consequences for the jealous and the schemers was that they were thrown in the lion's den and their families. That was, that was the law of the Medes and Persians. But also the quality of diligence integrity and trust in God. What did it say? So Daniel enjoyed success for the rest of his life as he served both Darius and Cyrus. And the, the loyalty of Darius brought him to believe in the one, the only living God. Notice he says he is Forever, He's an eternal God. He is a living God. This man who is a pagan king is giving worship. He's giving worship to the one God, the Almighty Yahweh. They have consequences. The question is, are we building these qualities into our lives? The qual- these qualities that we see in Daniel, as we build those in our life, they, they have consequences. They have good consequences and they have bad consequences if they're the bad qualities. But if they're those good qualities, they build into our lives and people see them and God sees them and, and he blesses. And he gave Daniel success, just like he said he would where in the book of Proverbs. Right? The books that that David wrote, that Solomon wrote, that says, hey, if you will have integrity, you'll have good success. If you'll have integrity, I will raise you up. If you will have loyalty, if you will have uh, diligence, I will bless you. And that's what he did for Daniel. Well, we're going to come to communion and as we come to communion I want you to think about all of these character qualities that we've talked about and I want you to think about Jesus right Jesus had all of these character qualities and many many more and we're to be what like Christ Christ-like ones. Isn't that what Christian means? I'm to be like Christ. I'm to have the character qualities that, that Jesus has. And, and as we look at what Jesus, the, the quality of love, the quality of sacrifice, that he would Forgo his power. He could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free. Pilate asked him about his kingdom. He says, there's legions, there's legions of angels just waiting for me to say, I'm not going to do it. Come take me back to my father. But he said, no, because 
I and my Father are one, and we love everyone. We love every soul. We want none to perish. So I'm willing to sacrifice myself on the cross. I'm willing to do that. But what did he know? He knew that the Father of all people is loyal to the Son. And he had already told him all the way back in the book of Isaiah, oh, you will not, you won't, you won't be degraded in the grave, but in three days you will rise again. And that's what we're, getting, that's what we're looking at, right? When we come to Easter. You're not going to stand low in the grave he lay, but up from the grave he rose because his father was faithful. His trust was in the right place. He knew what God would do for him, that he would be raised up on the third day.